Good morning and welcome to church this morning. Thank you so much for taking the good option of coming to church when perhaps you could have done lots of other things. Welcome to regulars. Welcome to you if you're a visitor. And welcome to those joining us um, through church online. Let's just put our hands together and welcome people across the world. Welcome as you join us here in Gorgie in Edinburgh, where the sun is shining. I believe God is real. I believe that God is personal. And I believe that God is on your case in the best possible way. It's not by chance that you're here this morning. It's not by chance that you're connecting online. I want you to know that God has purposes for you. Did you know that? God has good purposes for each of you here in church and those connecting online. I don't know who you exactly might be. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're skeptical of who Jesus is. Maybe you're sold out and passionate about Jesus. Maybe this morning you're just burned out. Maybe you are churched. Maybe you are unchurched. But I invite you this morning to discover something of God's purposes for each of our lives. I have a Kit Kat with me. Hands up if you like Kit Kats. Hands up if you would like this Kit Kat. Oh, you're very trusting. If you remember Kit Kats and you remember the advert that went with it, help me with this. What was it? Have a break. Have a break. Have a Kit Kat. I'm a follower of Jesus. I put my faith in God because God called me. I have this thing that the Bible talks about called salvation. My sins have been forgiven. But what? What if this salvation was fragile? What if my relationship with God could be broken? What if God decided one day had enough of you. We're breaking up. What if in my life I get myself into a mess? I cross the line that I thought I would never cross. Is my salvation broken? Has God finished with me? I want to tell you this morning, the older I get, the more I want to give God public, heartfelt, explicit credit and praise for keeping me through every kind of season that I have experienced. Through my failure, through my doubts, through my weakness. 
God has kept hold of me. And this is the decisive reason this morning that I have kept hold of God because he keeps hold of me. His salvation is incredible and it is unbreakable. Nothing can break it. Today, I want to give God glory for being the keeping, holding God that he is. You may want to join with me in saying thank you to God for being the keeping, holding God. We're in Romans 8, and we're going to unpack two incredible verses this morning that will help us understand how unbreakable this salvation is. Are you ready to read these verses with me? Romans chapter 8, and we're coming in at verse 29 and verse 30. Read these words with me. You ready? For those whom he, that is God, foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Unbreakable, God's great work for us. And then we'll think about our personal response. Let me just pray before we dive into God's word. You may want to lift your hands and join with me as I pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, your Son, I ask that your Holy Spirit will speak into the heart of each person here and connecting online. God, you have good purposes for us, and I pray that what you have planned for these people in this moment today will unfold for your glory and for our good, and we agree together as we say amen. Let's think about, first of all, God's great work. God has done great things, and he uses words to tell us what those great things are. I want to talk about just the importance of words and their meaning. The importance of words and their meaning is often seen in different areas of life, but particularly when you tell a joke, because often in a joke, there is a play on words. And if you don't get the meaning of the word, you don't get the joke. So I'm going to try this joke on you. If you get the meaning of it, then laugh really loudly. If you look confused, I understand that you haven't got the significance. Here we go. Are you ready? What do you call an Irish man hanging from the ceiling? Chandelier. Okay, put your hands up if you got the meaning of that. Put your hand up if you laughed. Okay, I'll give you a Kit Kat at the end of church. <laughs> Chandelier, it's a play on words. Some of you are going, I have no idea what you're on about. Don't worry, I can talk to you at the end of church. God intentionally and deliberately chooses five key words that we're going to unpack because each one of these words is full of meaning. And I don't want you to leave church this morning without grasping the meaning 
of these words that God has chosen. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined. Say foreknew. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined. Say predestined. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Say called. And those whom he called, he also justified. Say justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Say glorified. Five words that God has chosen. Foreknew, predestined, called, justified, and glorified. Five words that come one after the other, and give me, in Jesus' name, an unbreakable salvation. Five words that are completely and utterly about God's work, not about me. He does something for me. Are you excited this morning that God in heaven does something for you? I was at a barbecue a number of years ago in the church that I was at previously, before coming to Destiny. We put on a community barbecue. People were coming in. I remember to this day one lady coming up and she said, can I have a hamburger? And I said, of course you can have a hamburger. Would you like cheese? Would you like onions? What would you like? And she ordered the full lot and she said, how much do I owe you? And I said, it's free. You can also have a drink and you can also have ice cream and you can also have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. And she looked at me and she said, that is ridiculously kind. I want to tell you this morning that God is ridiculously kind. Also, 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 also. Put your hands together and say, thank you, God, for being so ridiculously kind. Sometimes we come to God and say, can we have a hamburger? And God's going, you're not asking for enough. I also want to do this, and I also want to do this, and I also will do this. And I love these verses. I tell you, I have got excited about them this week. Have you ever got excited about God? And you stop and think, God, you're doing this for me. This is all about God. I came across a phrase this week. Maybe you might know it. Diddly squat. Do you know the word diddly squat? It means... In terms of what my salvation is, what God has done, I contribute diddly squat. Say diddly squat. Bet you never thought you'd come to church and say diddly squat. But this is God's work. It's not my work. He saves. He keeps. He's on my case. I contribute diddly squat. And he gets the glory. God foreknew me. God predestined me. He also called me. He also justified me. He also glorified me. Our God, the God of the Bible, is not into tweets. Did you know in heaven we won't have Twitter? You need to get over it. 
God's not into tweets, not into soundbite theology. He gives us intentional words that we need to think about. Because in each word, there is depth, there is beauty, there is meaning, and there is life. God is for us. God reveals who he is. He reveals life-changing truth. Because frankly, what we're looking at this morning, none of us would ever on our own come up with anything that would be even close to it. Here's my attempted resume of these verses. And when I get to the end of this resume, if you believe it to be true, make some noise for King Jesus, will you? To me, these five words, these verses say, Before time began, God personally loved me and freely decided to save me, calling me to himself, clearing me of all charges of wrongdoing, and promising me a certain glorious, never-ending future with him. That is God's work. Will you permit me just for a five minutes to go down a different, slightly different path? Is that okay? This has just been on my heart. It's not directly in the passage, but God has stirred this in my heart. I want to say something about our current culture's wisdom on some key vital issues. Our mind as human beings and our thinking, these are gifts from God, and they are important gifts. We as human beings created by God in His image are made to think, to wrestle with words and ideas. I have two degrees. Thank you for that round of applause. I have two degrees. My family members... Some of them are so into academia. I have a son. Sometimes he talks to me. I have no idea what he's talking about. So academia and degrees and education and thinking are all important. But the most brilliant mind without God will become foolish. And I am deeply concerned for our culture. Our culture is amazing and it is frightening. We have much to celebrate, much to be concerned about. Far more people than the media will ever let on are concerned about culture's wisdom on sexual ethics, identity, and gender. As a follower of Jesus, I am called to treat each person with compassion. I am called to recognize the dignity in every human being. But I am concerned of the trajectory that we are on. Malcolm Mugridge says this as he reflected on the dangerous ideas shaping our modern beliefs. He said... We have educated ourselves into imbecility. 
The most brilliant mind without God becomes foolish. And so we need to be really careful and concerned. But the good news is there is such a thing as God's revealed truth. And this truth sets you free. It's ancient, but it's totally on the ball today. It's a solid rock. If you believe it, your life becomes strong. And I think, sitting here in Gorgi, connecting online, there are people who are hungry for truth. And I can announce to you in the name of Jesus that he is the truth. May that truth grip your soul and give you something in your heart and in your life that no human wisdom will ever be able to do. Thank you for allowing me to go down that road. Can we come back to Romans 8? Is that okay? Are you with me? Back to Romans 8. The importance of thinking well. Let's go through these words and think about them. The first word that God gives us is for you. Those whom he for you. Now, to understand that word for new, you need to look at how it is used in the Bible. The first time it's used, it's used in the story of Adam and Eve. And the Bible says that Adam knew his wife Eve. What does that mean? That Adam said, Hello, you must be Eve. Hello, you must be Adam. Do I know you? Do you know me? That's not what no means in that context. Because the rest of the verse says, Adam knew his wife, Eve, and she conceived. Would you agree with me there's something more going on? It means that Adam knew her relationally. He loved her. He was committed to her. It means to know somebody with real delight in your heart. To show that person affection and then to show that affection in action. We could easily replace the word for new with for loved, because no is used in a sense practically synonymous with love. Now that gives me something to get excited about. God for loved me. He loved me before I ever thought of myself or anyone thought of myself. Before the beginning of time, God, Father, Son, and Spirit set their love on me. Can I say that again and you might get excited about it? Father, Son, and Spirit, before there was anything, set their love on me and called me by name. And you, you were for love. 
That's incredibly good news. God chose us, Paul says in Ephesians. God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus. He loves me from eternity past. He loves me today. And he loves me into eternity future. And I am secure this morning in the unchanging, unbreakable love of God. In our culture, in which achievement and performance are the rule in order to feel loved and accepted, God says, no, no, no. I loved you before you did anything. My love is not based on your behavior. It is based on my grace, on my power, on my purposes, and it is based on my will. I loved you from before the foundation of the world, and my love is going nowhere for you. Guys, this morning, Despite the stuff that I really don't like in my life, God loves me. He loved me back then. He loves me today. And he will love me forever. I want you to hear that this morning. You've maybe walked into church. You're maybe connecting online. And you feel that something that you've done somehow disqualifies you from God's love. Do you think God was surprised by your failure? Do you think God didn't see it coming? Of course he did. And yet a way back before the creation of the world, he set his love upon you and he will continue to love you even when you fail. I'm not saying that it's good to fail. I'm not saying that we should take sin lightly. It grieves God's heart. But my God is a father who will never turn away. Your love never fails. Your love never walks out on me. And this morning I am secure because God foreloved me. Put your hands together and give some thanks to God for that. So he foreloved. Next word is predestined. The second link in this unbreakable chain. Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Predestined. Now here's a controversial one. I ask you to love me at the end of this sermon whether you agree with me or not. This doctrine, this truth, has unfortunately caused much angst amongst God's people. I want to unpack it simply and biblically. Predestined, the word finds several times throughout the Bible. It means to determine beforehand, to make a plan, ahead of time to set a purpose and to set a destination. 
It's the exact same word that you find in Acts. Peter is preaching to the crowd. Many people have gathered. And in Acts 4, Peter says, looking at the Jewish authorities, you, you rulers, you crucified Jesus Christ. And then he says, but what you did, you only were able to do because God had decided beforehand that that would happen. The death of Jesus Christ is not an accident. The death of Jesus Christ was predestined. Romans 8. Predestined is God's decision. God's decision to make of me what he intended to make as he set his love on me. There are two things that God says I will predestine you for. The first thing is this, I will predestine you to receive eternal life. He chooses my destiny. I'm going to heaven. It's squat diddly to do with me. It's all to do with God. But he also says, I've predestined you to what? To become like Jesus. Anybody watching this morning, anybody in church want to be more like Jesus? Anybody want their husband to be more like Jesus? I just saw a couple kiss each other in the back row. I'll not say who. Any husbands want their wives to be more like Jesus? Whoa. Hmm. Predestined. Loved. He also predestined me. Gives me a destiny and says, I want you to become like Jesus. Can I be honest? (laughs) Becoming like Jesus can sound a wee bit sweet and nice. Oh yeah, I want to be like Jesus. It's a bit childish sometimes, we think. A bit vague. We all want to be like Jesus, but keep it pretty vague. And maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're connecting online and you're saying, be like Jesus? Jesus was single and he never had sex. I don't want that. Was Jesus really happy? Was he really fulfilled? We need to understand that when God predestines me to become like Jesus, he's talking about my character. That in a process of his grace and his discipline, I become more like Jesus. So the question has to be, are you more like Jesus today than you were a year ago? That's what he's predestined you for. I know, well I don't know but they tell me, that on Facebook, you all Post perfect image photos. True? True or not? True. The reality is that's not you. Who doesn't want, honestly speaking, a better version of you? Who would like to give up your Facebook version of you 
for a Jesus version of you. That's outstanding. That's incredible. Like Jesus? Yes. That God would make me like Jesus and have faith like Jesus? That I would have the courage of Jesus? I'm tired of people saying that Jesus is weak and sweet and nice. He's a warrior. He's a king. He's a fighter. I want to be like him. Faith, courage. And yet Jesus, in all of his grace and tenderness, God, I want to be like Jesus. God, I want to be like Jesus who was so radical in his thoughts and in his actions for justice. God, I want to be like Jesus. Give me a tender heart. One thing as I get older, I I pray against is ever to become cold and hard. If you see me becoming cold and hard, pray for me. I want to be like Jesus with a tender heart. I want to be like Jesus, constantly giving glory to God. It's not about me, it's about God. Becoming like Jesus is part of this unbreakable work of God on my behalf. And if we're honest, we all say, yes, we do want to become like Jesus. But I've got to tell you that often, I think most often, the way God makes me more like Jesus is by pruning me. So hands up if you want to be like Jesus. Yes, hands up if you want to be pruned. Mm. But that's the way God works it. I look back on stuff we've gone through And then the moment it hurts and it was hard. But I look back and by God's grace, I see a little bit more of the likeness of Jesus in my life. I thank God for the way he works. Even, may we by God's grace say, thank you God that you care enough for me to prune me, to make me more like Jesus. Amen? I'm going to get the last three words. I'm going to group them together. Those whom he predestined, he also called. Say called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Say justified. Those whom he justified, he also Glorified, say glorified. Unbreakable, God's work on our behalf. The God who foreloved me, predestined me in a moment in time in history, called me by my name. (laughs) He spoke to me, spoke into my life. And I heard his call, and I said, yes. He called me. 
The word that Paul uses is a very strong word. It's always associated with the gospel being proclaimed. And through the gospel being proclaimed, God calls people into salvation. It means that God summons me. It means that this is an effectual call, an irresistible call. Maybe you're in church this morning. Maybe you're online. For years you've been fighting God. Today, listen for his call as he breaks into your life. You've resisted. Today is the day when you will say yes. And you will hear God's call. And you will respond to that. I thank God for his call. Not simply an invitation that I can accept or reject. It is God's summons. It overcomes my resistance. It persuades me in the inner being of my person to say yes to God. It is God's powerful work to make happen what he wants to happen. It's like Jesus outside the tomb of Lazarus when he says, Lazarus, come out. One day God spoke into my life and said, Paul, come out. I want to save you. Here is my call. And in that moment, he saved me. And I'm very thankful this morning for God's irresistible call in your life. That finally God broke into your life. All who are called are justified. To be justified, you have to believe. To believe, God has to give you the faith to believe. This is all of God. For He called, He justified. Love this word. It's through the New Testament. It means to be cleared and to be declared. I am, as I respond to God's call, I am cleared of all charges against me, all charges past, present, and future, and all punishment related to my sins. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Justified, I am cleared of all wrongdoing. And he declares me, God before the throne of heaven declares me to be righteous. He takes my sin and he gives me the perfect righteousness of Jesus. And that's what I stand in this morning before God. Declared righteous and cleared of all sin. That should surely provoke a massive round of applause for God. You are declared in Jesus' name righteous. You are cleared of your sin, past, present, and future. Woo! He also, and just when you think, God, that's enough. He says, wait a minute, I haven't finished. I called you. I justified you. I also glorified you. Now, here's a question for you. The word glorified, what grammatical, um, what's the word? What grammatical tense is that in? Past tense. I loved you, predestined you, called you, justified you, I glorified you. Is that not future? 
Yes and no. It looks like God is taking the risk of a daring anticipation. That as he looks at me, I'm already home. I'm already in glory. It's done. I'm home. I've won. I'm in the glory. It's already happened. That's how God looks at me today. Glorified. God's deliberate choice of a word. One day, I'm going home. No more sin. No more suffering. No more pain. The beauty of the new heaven and new earth. But God looks on me today as if I'm already home. Five great words to give us this morning if we respond to them, this unbreakable salvation. Five powerful words that go together that should provoke something in us. I wonder what it is that will, that will provoke in us. We're going to finish with this. We've thought about all that God has done. I want us to think just for a few moments on our personal response. Anybody see Andy Murray this week? What? It's safe to confess. It's all right. Did anybody watch Andy Murray on TV this week? Amazing. Exciting. It's great. I love it. He's back. And I love it when Murray gets excited and he wins the point and he goes like this. And then he says, let's go. Guys, God has done incredible things. He foreloved us. He predestined us. He called us. He justified us. He glorified us. Let's go. Let's do something with this. What should we do? Surely, we've got to love God passionately. Do you ever notice that when people are in love, they do strange things? Maybe even weird things. Maybe it's my age, but I... To a large degree, I don't care what people think about me when I do stuff for Jesus. I'm just in love with him. Are you in love with him this morning? Show me your love. Show me your love. Some of you are sitting in church and you're more in love with your football team or your icon or your work or your spouse than you are with Jesus. We should love God passionately. He's done all of this. We can't be mediocre. We love his words. We love talking to him. We love living according to his principles. And we love to worship him. Hands up if you love to worship God. And this morning, after we've finished, we're going to have a time of worship. Please. Please don't insult God by being on your phone. Jesus, I love you. 
Come on. When we worship together, let the Spirit set you free. Be passionate. God, you've done all of this. If we don't sing, as Jesus said, the stones will cry out. Not the rolling stones, the stones. For whether it's the stones or the rolling stones, I've got a greater song to sing. And this morning when we worship, I'm going to sing. Are you going to join me? And give high praise to God. We love passionately. We stay humble. We've got to stay humble. This is all of God. God predestined me. I must never, ever become proud. It is His grace. It's not explainable. But I live in it. And I've got to stay humble. He chose me because He loved me. I dare not look down on everybody else. I dare not look down at people who I love who are not yet followers of Jesus. I dare not look down on them and say, look at me and my faith and my repentance and my belief. There but for the grace of God go I. Stay humble. Worship God, I've touched on it. When I know, when it gets into my heart that not one molecule of credit for my salvation belongs to me, I will give all the glory to God. I did squat diddly or diddly squat. God gets all the glory. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and your faithfulness. I take no credit for being saved. God saved me. It's his salvation. He keeps me. He gets the glory. For many of us, Maybe for you this morning, but certainly at some point in life for all of us, we need to keep the faith. It's not a contradiction. The only way that I have got to this point in my life where I keep the faith is because, first of all, God is holding me. And those moments in life that we find it hard to keep our faith I think come to two key things. When again we sin. When again we have screwed up. And in that moment we think that's it. At this point my salvation finishes. It doesn't. It doesn't keep the faith. I love what David says, after horrendous sin, God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Not my salvation, it's his salvation. God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Jesus says in John 10, as we think about keeping the faith, listen to this. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. 
That's how secure you are this morning. That's how secure. Even when you've sinned. And I think the other big issue that we find it hard to keep the faith is when we suffer. God, I've prayed, where are you? Are you good? Are you sovereign? What's happening? One thing I've learned, that my questions, perhaps even my doubts, cannot break the unbreakable salvation I have. And I have room and I have space to bring my questions. But my questions will never break that salvation. I am secure in God. Being confident of this. That he who began a good work in me. Will carry it on to completion. Until the day of Christ Jesus. You may want to say amen to that. Let's go. What do we do? Share Jesus. Oh, you say, well, really? Has God not predestined people? Will they not get saved anyway? That is a misinterpretation of the scriptures. The Bible clearly says God has predestined. He has chosen. He has loved. But we have a responsibility still. To preach the gospel. I don't know who the elect are. Do you? Then we share the gospel. And we preach Jesus. And we share Jesus. Because we don't know those around us. And as we share Jesus. We pray that they will respond. And lastly. Let's go. Lastly step into God's love. Some of you this morning, I don't know. Those of you online, I don't know. But God has brought you here to hear this message this morning. God has brought you here so that you say yes. If you are not yet a Christian, this is what you're being invited into. God's call is going out. I have a responsibility to announce Jesus Christ. I have a responsibility to say that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you have that choice. And I'm calling some of you this morning to repent and to step into God's love. I don't know who you are online. I don't know some of you in church. But today is your day of salvation. And God has brought you here because he's on your case. And he wants you to step in to his love and his salvation. We are finished. I'm going to pray, and then we are going to give some incredible praise to God. Do we agree on that? We have so much to say thank you for. Will you stand with me, and I'm going to pray. The worship band are going to come back up. Just going to invite you to close your eyes. Guys, we'll begin to play, but just let's close our eyes. I'm going to ask you, please, just take your hands out of your pockets. That would be a good thing to stand at least with your hands open.
you're a follower of Jesus this morning, I want you just to begin to pray back to God your response for all of the great things he has done. That God loved you. Before the foundation of the world, he predestined you. That God in his grace called you. That God in Jesus' name has justified you. That God has glorified you. Just begin to respond to God. You may want to just lift your voice a bit and pray. That's fine. Just begin in whatever language, whatever tongue. God has done great things. And there's people in the auditorium got their eyes closed and they're praying. I want to give an opportunity to anyone here in church, anyone connecting online. I want you just to pause. And I want you to look at the cross of Jesus Christ. And I want you to see and I want you to understand that his death was planned for you. That he died, took your punishment that you will be forgiven. He rose from the dead. He's alive. Today he's saying, step into my love. The picture I have in my heart as I finish is this. If you're not yet a Christian, a follower of Jesus, God is reaching down from heaven. He says, look at what I've done for you. Now I'm asking you to lift up your hand and say, I'm in. So I'm going to give you that opportunity. If anyone this morning, for the first time, or for the first time in a long time you come back, lift up your hand and say, yes, I'm in. I'm responding to the call. I step into God's love today. I want to know his salvation. I'm just going to wait for a few seconds. Anyone this morning, this is your response. I trust respond anyone this morning I don't see any hands you may have responded and you may want to speak to me or to one of the leaders later on please do that you guys online you know how to respond as well my father God in these moments your spirit bring truth and set it alight in our hearts as we give our praise to you for all the great things you have done. Our salvation in Jesus' name is unbreakable and we worship you for that in this moment. In Jesus' name we agree together and we say, Amen.